Hello, and welcome to the Church Times podcast. I'm Ed Thornton. This week, I talk to our editor, Paul Hanley, who is in Hong Kong covering the 17th meeting of the Anglican Consultative Council. It's been a packed agenda, and there's lots to report. This week's issue features extensive coverage, and stories have been going up on our website all week. If you don't subscribe to the Church Times, try 10 issues for £10, or two months full online access for the same amount. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash new hyphen reader. It's very difficult to say what the highlights are um, of any sort of conference when you're right in the middle of it, uh, and especially one where the experiences of the participants are so wide and vast. Uh, for the people who don't know about the Anglican Consultative Council, there are about 100 people here, two or three from um, every province in the um, Anglican world. And they're meeting in a large room. There's about 10 tables, groups of nine or 10 people. They start the day with morning prayer. There's Bible study together. They eat, but not around the tables. Um, they eat elsewhere. Then uh, when there are discussion groups, they, they really get to know the people on those tables. So, so it's a very good system whereby by the end of the week, there are some very strong um, friendships and, and very close spiritual bonds. You've got um, on one table that I know there's somebody from uh, North India, Canada, uh, Bangladesh, uh, Wales, Polynesia. Uh, so it, it reflects the global family that, that Anglicanism is. Uh, and, and I suppose that's one of the things that is still hard to convey to people who are so loyal and wedded and love their own church that that um, there are so many different ways of doing Anglicanism. It's a challenge, I think, for me as a journalist and the Church Times as a paper to try and convey some of this breadth. Does it put into perspective some of the issues that uh, are a focus here in England might be very different if if you're an Anglican in um, Bangladesh? Or I, I think we've moved on from using other parts of the country, uh, other parts of the world, uh, as a lever of, uh, of uh, a form of pressurising people to think in different ways. But there is always a, a greater understanding that one can have of the same problems that seem very black and white when you're in your own particular context. Leaving aside the um, the obvious arguments that we have in the Anglican communion, um, I would just point to some discussions about relations with um, Muslims. Somebody from Southeast Asia uh, asked about uh, the approach to Islam that they saw from the the leadership in the West, which was very ironic, very um, leaning over backwards to accommodate and being very friendly, whereas in their situation, they felt that there was no reciprocity there, that, that they were under severe pressure from Islamic um, authorities in their country, and there are certainly uh, not just Islam, but there are there are there are great tensions between faiths in parts of the world that we have no conception of in in the UK. Can we talk about something? We have lots of pages of coverage in this week's paper, and we've had stories going up each day on the website. Um, then maybe we could just start at the start of the week. There was an opening press conference, I think, on Sunday, at which um, the Archbishop of Canterbury was speaking and the Secretary General. I think what um, was particularly noticeable was uh, from that press conference, really, was the the hospitality that 
uh, and the openness that is being reported here in Hong Kong. We, we strangely, we have a story in the paper about the the repression of religious freedom in in mainland China. So I was very keen to find out what the perspective from Hong Kong was, and also whether it's being felt here. Um, I th- it's it's very hard to judge just from a couple of conversations, but certainly the the church in Hong Kong feels much freer. Um, uh, and also believes there's, there's a greater freedom in mainland China than maybe is being reported by um, some of the lobby groups and the organizations that look after persecuted Christians. Um, it's, it's a keen thing because at the end of this week, the um, persecution is, is, is to be published. Judging the, the level of persecution in, in neighboring countries where um, certainly, I'm getting the impression that people feel able to speak freely um, is, is, is nonetheless quite difficult. Mm. At the press conference, Archbishop Welby spoke about the decision that's had quite a lot of coverage here not to invite the um, same-sex spouses of, of bishops, of the two or three bishops who are in same-sex marriages. Um, what did he say about that? Um, he's spoken about that a couple of times. Um, his, uh, in particular, there was a very... Um, open Q&A last night with uh, members of the uh, ACC who were able to ask him anything. One of the questions came up was about that. He finds it quite difficult. He finds it um, a tortuous decision. Um, I don't think he expects sympathy, but nonetheless, um, I think one can sympathise. I mean, he says that uh, he knows the decision he made um, uh, will and has hurt some people. He also acknowledges that to have decided the other way would um, have hurt other people. Um, and he he didn't say this, but um, I think there's been a fairly pragmatic decision here that he decided to hurt the fewest number of people and also the, the people in the most comfortable countries. Kind of as simple as that, whether you agree with them or not. Uh, I think there are all sorts of other issues about invitations to Lambeth, which are slowly coming out, um, which I think we might see more of um, in the, the coming weeks, because it's, it's, there's a lot of politics involved. Josiah de Refere, and he fired a shot across the bows of Gafcon in his address. Bishop Josiah is, is the um, Secretary General of the Anglican Communion, and, and they could have chosen a, a bureaucrat or a, a, an administrator. He, he, had, uh, he said this week that he, uh, he was a bad administrator, so he was very pleased that somebody else is doing that now. Um, uh, but what they've chosen is somebody who, who doesn't mince his words, he, and um, this was the occasion when he, he was very critical of people in uh, Gafcon and, and in some places in the global south for uh, essentially not being Anglicans, for behaving in ways that um, not only uh, internationally, but within their own provinces. So, and he managed not only to offend the, uh, the conservative evangelicals, but also he, he accused them of being uh, like uh, the Roman Catholic Church, <laughs> which went down very well, as you can imagine, with the, um, the uh, Roman Catholic ecumenical um, partner who was at the conference he he um, said he was i think his point was that they were behaving like little popes and uh, but that's not exactly how it came out but nonetheless he um he clears up afterwards i think i I think it was a challenge to people in gafcon who I, i think are going to be or are being invited to lambeth as uh observers whether that 
Um, whether they accept or not is, is not yet known. And whether the invitation has gone out, I'm not sure. But nonetheless, uh, and the relations between the, um, the the Anglican hierarchy and the Gafcon hierarchy are, are not good. And um, I've just seen some pushback from from some of them. So I don't think this one's going to quieten down for a while. But nonetheless, uh, as a journalist, it's it's good to have things out in the open. And just moving on to what else has been discussed, you know, on the on the agenda, um, we've we've had a story on um, intentional discipleship. A great picture this week of of um, Archbishop Welby banging the gong in the opening Eucharist at, during the, at the end of the opening Eucharist at St John's Cathedral in Hong Kong. But that, and he he's been speaking about discipleship, the main theme of this meeting. Yeah, I I, I think again, um, speaking as a journalist. This is one of the key challenges um, of reporting this, in that um, there is a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, and a lot of um, enthusiasm for something that is very unfamiliar with people in the UK. The phrase intentional discipleship is is not a, a one that's ever been used by anybody, as far as I'm aware. Um, even though it was it was first, um, we, we are three years into a season of uh, intentional discipleship, uh, had we but known it. And uh, they've also come up with uh, new slogans and logos and things. And uh, it is important and it is difficult to convey, which is uh, essentially persuading people to allow their faith to permeate the whole of their lives. I think um, what I recommend is that people read my overlong story on the line um, or, and in the paper to find out more about what intentional discipleship is. And I will try and I think we'll be unpacking it in the weeks to come. But um, it's certainly catching a lot of um, attention and enthusiasm here. And it, it's already transforming communities around the, the communion. So I think it's something we need to take uh, seriously. Gender equality was also on the agenda uh, with Canon Terry Robinson, Director of Women in Church Society for the Anglican Communion Office, and, and Caroline Welby, I believe, talking on um, the role of women in peacemaking. Yeah. There's, there's um, been a lot of attention on violence against women, but in this particular discussion, um, this has been traced back, really, to unequal um, relationships between men and women. We, um, a, a new report saying this really should be taught in the theological colleges and seminaries um, and, and it should be part of the education that, that the church is trying to, to uh, generate. The uh, oppression of women starts way before any any uh, violent act. It is um, women and their voices are not heard. They are not encouraged to, to be involved in in debate, discussion, politics, whatever, and and this this was a particularly uh, important part of of the message from um, Caroline Welby, who's who's spent the last eighteen months with colleagues, um, beginning a program to encourage bishops' wives to be more involved in, particularly in, in peacemaking initiatives. So they are, they see them as key women, especially, but bishops' wives, because of their position in in societies around the world, as as um, key people who who could help uh, reconciliation ministry and um, I mean, just just finally what's what else is on the agenda we're speaking on um thursday it's thursday night where you are um it ends mm-hmm. on sunday what else is to come uh well throughout the week members have been submitting uh resolutions and uh, there's various elections to committees and things but um so tomorrow afternoon 
which is Friday afternoon and again on Saturday, we'll be looking at some of the, the resolutions. These are concerns from different ACC members from around the world that they they would like action to be taken, they would like statements to be endorsed. I think there's a lot of assent here. So I think if, if, some, if a resolution gets onto the, um, the list, um, most of them go through on the nod. And again, there's the challenge because uh, these, just because people agree with them and there's not a lot of debate because there's not a lot of time, the chances are these, these will disappear um, unless um, people pay attention and they're highlighted and, and they're acted upon. So I'm aware that my work hasn't finished yet. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Church Times podcast. You can find more news, analysis, comment and book reviews on our website, churchtimes.co.uk. If you are not yet a subscriber to the Church Times, you can try your first 10 issues for just £10. You'll get the paper delivered to your door every Friday, plus full access to our website and digital archive. Go to churchtimes.co.uk forward slash subscribe to find out more. The music for this podcast was provided by Sought After Sounds. Tune in next Friday for the next episode. Thank you.